1: and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast and our Thursday night Bible study. Well, folks, if you weren't with us last Thursday night, we had a great time. And I mean a great time studying Revelation chapter 4. And uh, what we talked about specifically was the rapture, and we got into a lot of detail about the rapture. We actually spent nearly two hours on Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 alone, because that particular verse is so packed with so much powerful information that we just couldn't let it go by with just a cursory overlook. So it was a real blessing to do that, and uh, a lot of the feedback that I've gotten from it has been really great. So I appreciate that, and thank you so much for listening. Now, if you missed the live show last week, make sure you go back and catch up uh, by listening to the, to the uh, podcast version. Uh, uh, this way, this week's show will make a little bit more sense to you. All right, now tonight, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pick it up in verse two, and we're gonna try to actually get through the entire chapter tonight. Not sure how long it's gonna take. This it's a lot of information in this in this chapter alone, in and of itself, and uh, you know we don't want to just kind of give it a cursory, quick overlook. So, uh, not sure how long it's gonna take. Hopefully not two hours again, but uh, if it does, hey, you know what? Lord willing, you'll stick with us as we get through this. And it'll hopefully it'll be a real blessing to you, but before we get into it I'm going to ask you to do just two things for me first of all, would you please visit our website sort Spirit com and uh, when you head over there, why don't you uh, go over to our contact section and open up that little web form and why don't you send us over a message? Uh, let us know whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any questions, comments, cares, or concerns that you might have. And also, don't forget to send over your prayer requests. Folks, I really do look forward to getting your prayer requests. I pray over them uh, during the course of the week when I receive them, and uh, it's a real privilege for me to do that. And it's a real blessing for the folks in the SOTS podcast family to to be able to pray over uh, those particular needs and prayer requests as they come in. So... Uh, don't forget to send them over now, if you don't like to use the web form, that's fine. You could always email me directly at info at sword dot com that's info at sword of dot com now also, while you're on the website, folks, would you please look for that support this podcast button and when you find it, would you consider supporting us with a small monthly contribution? You can set it up for ninety nine cents 4.99 or 9.99 9.99 a month. I'll get it right. Um, now, if you can't do a monthly recurring contribution, I, I understand that it's, it's kind of hard to commit to something right now, the way the economy is. Uh, but you could also make a one-time contribution by clicking on that waygiver button, or by scanning the Cash App QR code, which is on our website as well. So, folks, why don't you pray about it? And if the Lord leads you to do it. If these podcasts have been a blessing to you in any way, if the live broadcasts have been a blessing to you in any way, and if you'd like to become an active part of this ministry, your contribution will go a very, very long way, and I would be extremely thankful for it. Now, folks, first and foremost, before we get into the rest of the study, uh, before we get into the study and the uh, the rest of the opening segments, I just want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, for saving me and uh, for rescuing me from an eternity in the worst place imaginable—a place called hell a place that was originally reserved for the devil and his angels. But because of man's sin, because of of the fall of Adam, uh, man now finds himself on his way to hell unless he gets saved. And how you get saved is by putting your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I did that 23 years ago. 23 years ago, I have heard a radio broadcast in New York City on my way to work at night where the preacher was preaching a message on hell and who's going there. And at the end of every sentence, it was as if I heard a voice that said, I'm talking to you, Joe. I'm talking to you. You need to settle this, Joe. And it literally scared the hell out of me. And I wrote down the phone number to that radio show because it was a call-in show. And uh, I, I debated on calling, but I chickened out. I waited. The next day, I, I called that particular church that sponsored that program. And uh, I spoke to the pastor of that church, the man who did the radio broadcast, and we agreed to meet in, in uh, Lower Manhattan one evening before I had had to go to work. Uh, we got together for a meal. We had a great conversation We talked about the Bible. We talked about the Word of God. We talked about God's plan of salvation. And before that night was over, we had walked all the way out to Pier Pier 34 on Canal Street and West Street. And right there in the middle of that pier, God's Word came crashing over me and put me under such conviction that I got on, on my knees in the middle of that pier in New York City and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save me and put my faith, my trust, and my confidence that his shed blood and his blood alone was sufficient to pay my sin debt. When I got up off my knees, I was a saved man. And folks, it's been an incredible walk with the Lord Jesus Christ over these 23 years. He put it in my heart to teach the Bible, to preach. He put it in my heart to, to, to win souls for Christ. And granted, over the years, I've had my ups and downs. I've had my failures. I've let him down more times than I would ever care to admit. But he has always proven himself to be faithful. And I am thankful for that. And I am secure in the fact that I know that my eternal home is in glory. That there's a mansion waiting for me in glory. Just like he promised. So folks, you can have that assurance also. You can put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ right here, right now. All you need to do is just acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you're condemned to hell, and ask the Lord to save you. And again, folks, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's not the words that save you. It's you putting your confidence and your faith and trust that Jesus Christ's pure, perfect, sinless blood, God's blood, according to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, was sufficient to pay your sin debt. That's all you need to do, folks. I did it 23 years ago, and it's been a incredible, incredible walk, excuse me one second, I just went into a coughing fit, sorry about that, so, um, that's the devil getting at me, doesn't want me to talk about this, But that's all right. I said what I had to say. And so, again, I just want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for saving me. I also want to thank the Lord for allowing me the opportunity to do this, to sit behind this microphone, to open up the Word of God, and to share uh, the things that the Lord has shown me, and uh, hopefully to be a blessing to you. It's a tremendous responsibility. It's not something that I take lightly either. So I want to say again thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ for saving me and for giving me this opportunity. Now I also want to say thank you to all of our current supporters, those of you who support us prayerfully. God bless you for your prayers. Thank you so very much. They're a tremendous encouragement to me and to the ministry that, we, that we're building here for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for your prayers. And please keep praying for us because we are under constant spiritual attack, constant and we need your prayers. I also want to say thank you to all of you who already support us financially. Thank you, and God bless you for your contributions. Uh, They really do help us keep this thing going. Uh, Your contributions pay for the studios that we use. Your contributions pay... Uh, for the materials that we get and send out. Your contributions are going towards purchasing the Bibles that we're getting. Your contributions are going towards supporting missionaries that we talk about on Sundays, on the second Sunday of every month. Uh, Your contributions are very, very important, and we are very thankful to receive them. And thank you, and God bless you for it. And of course, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners, every single one of you who tune in faithfully Every episode that we put out, whether it's the live show or whether it's uh, downloading and playing the podcast version, uh, thank you so much for doing that. Because of, of that, we are currently holding four chart positions on GoodPods, four number one chart positions. And honestly, folks, we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for uh, your faithfulness in listening, playing, downloading, and sharing. Uh, this show and the episodes that we put out. So uh, again, thank you so very much, and please continue to do so. Now, folks, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and if you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, why don't you consider paying us a visit over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour meets at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m., And our Wednesday night Bible study meets at 7 p.m. For more information, all you need to do is visit the church's Facebook page. All you need to do is log into Facebook, search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass, and then once you get there, you're going to find a lot of really helpful information. And you'll also find episodes of this podcast as well and again i want to say thank you to pastor john monk my pastor and my friend for uh, allowing us the opportunity to post the show on the church's facebook page and to the folks that maintain the church's facebook page thank you so very much for it you're a tremendous blessing to me and to this podcast thank you so much but folks of course wherever it is that you're listening please be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers and help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're on uh, a podcasting platform or app where you can give us a five-star review and you feel like we deserve one, please, please do so. That helps boost our algorithms and keeps us in the search results when folks search for Bible study podcasts or shows like ours. And uh, it's a it's it's really it's important because you know we try to present the gospel in a very clear, easy to understand, concise way. We don't overload you with a lot of uh, theological you know terminology to try to confuse you about things. We keep it simple, and uh, not only that, but we preach the unadulterated King James Bible English. We don't dip into the new versions that are out there that pervert the Scriptures, that remove things from the Scriptures, and try to proclaim themselves as the latest and greatest thing on the market. Folks, the King James Bible is the inspired, preserved Word of God for us today in the English language, and that's why we stick with it. And it's so easy to understand, folks. It really is. And that's uh, that's another plus to it. It's eloquent. It's easy to memorize. It's a beautiful, beautiful letter, manual, however you want to look at it, from God himself to us. So, folks, don't forget. If you can, like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. Hit those five-star reviews if you can. Now, how about some announcements? folks. uh, So don't forget Sermon Sunday, this coming Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We meet every Sunday afternoon. We do a live broadcast here on Spreaker, and then the podcast version, uh, just like the Bible study, is uploaded uh, shortly thereafter. And uh, it's a great time of fellowship, and uh, we look forward to uh, meeting every Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, folks, if you're interested in prepping, I'd like to introduce you to the Contra Radio Network. What's the Contra Radio Network? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked. The Contra Radio Network is a single podcast housing nearly a dozen talented podcast and vidcast hosts and artists from around the country who release content daily. The Contra Radio Network releases 15 to 20 shows a week, depending on current events, and uh, has several thousand downloads a month downloads a month. No issues or off-limits to these, any of these patriots. You want a breakdown of current events? We got it. You want to know more about uh, uh, preparedness and self-sufficiency? We got it. You want a guy driving around ranting like a lunatic? Hey, you know what? We got that, too. You want to hear about politics, Bible studies, sports, camping, firearms, and more? The Contra Radio Network has it all covered in spades. And uh, we are thankful to the folks at the Contra Radio Network for, uh, inviting us to be part of the Contra Radio Network family. And you can catch our shows there as well. And it's a really good, good podcast. I mean, I, I, listen to it on a regular basis. I try to get at least two shows in a day. Uh, the Jeffers Brief is excellent. Uh, the David Knight Show is really very well done and, and very good. And, uh, the other shows that we listen to as well, uh, Prepping 2.0 is very good. I've learned so much about self, uh, about preparedness and self sufficiency uh, through listening to these podcasts. It's really a, it's, a, it's a good network to listen to if you're really interested in this stuff. And just uh, check them out. Even if you're not interested, just check them out. Good stuff. You might get hooked. All right, folks, don't forget to uh, head over to our website, sort of the spirit podcast And uh, when you get over there, look for the programming announcements subscription box which is on our homepage. And, uh, all that is, is an email form that you fill out and you get on our mailing list. And anytime there's any change to the programming, like we had tonight, an email will go out just to let you know. And, uh, that'll keep you in the know as well. So, uh, just, it doesn't cost you anything. Just head on over there, fill out the web form, get on the mailing list and, um, you know, We're not going to sell your information. We're not going to give it away. We're not doing anything with it. We're just keeping it for ourselves and our own purposes right here at the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Also, on our website, head over to uh, our Sword Swag section. And when you get over there, you're going to get these really nice Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs, which I have right here in my hand and must slurp. Mm. Tonight's hot beverage is uh, we went back to the green tea with the honey and lime. Really good. Really, really good. You know, I never liked green tea until I got COVID. And uh, I think that was when, back in 2020. And uh, the only thing that I was able to drink that tasted halfway decent was green tea. And uh, so I kind of got hooked on it from there, and that's I I drink that quite a bit these days. But um, you can get this ceramic coffee mug with this really beautiful Sword of the Spirit podcast logo on it for a contribution of $25. We also have these really nice Sword of the Spirit podcast t-shirts, which I'm wearing one right now, and uh, we have it in men's and women's cuts. You can get yours for a contribution of $35, and just head over to the to that Sword Swag section, hit the um, the info button that's on the page, let me know what it is that you're looking for, and uh, I will send you the link where you can make your contributions don 't forget to send your mailing address and your contact info and then we 'll get that out to you as quickly as possible all right folks last uh, last thing I want to mention is that we're possibly we 're possibly going to be moving the uh, Thursday night Bible study to Tuesday night. Uh, again, I, like I mentioned before, it's because, uh, th- there are a lot of, uh, job functions that, uh, have come up and seems to always happen on a Thursday, kind of like today. Uh, we had to have a, uh, a new water heater installed in, in one of our hallways. And, um, there was some little, little problems that came across the way. And so we, we got delayed in, uh, in doing that, um, and getting here for the show. So um because of things like that and uh, other work related commitments that come up on Thursdays uh, as it seems uh we're debating on moving the podcast over to uh Tuesday night instead. So we're still praying about it. Uh don't have the, don't have the Lord's peace on it yet. So if you uh if you're praying about it as well, I'd appreciate that and uh it would be great uh if we could uh come to some consensus on this now folks if you are logged into Spreaker don't forget the uh, chat room is open and available to you if you have any prayer requests or any questions or comments that you'd like to make feel free to put them up there in the chat room and uh, we'll address them as quickly as we possibly can all right well we are at that point before we get to our prayer requests and we're gonna take our first break of the evening And uh, when we come back, we'll uh, hit those prayer requests. In the meantime, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. Hit that five-star review if you can. This is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast, and we'll be back right after this.
2: Hi, everyone, this is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening.
0: They say times are changing, so we should change too. Trade our old-time religion for something new. Our faith is outdated. Why live in the past? Well, my answer is simple. So if you ask, I still love to hear how God's love paid the cost. As passion was fastened by nails to a cross I still love the sound as the saints start to sing Songs of the blood Jesus shed just for me I still love an altar where broken ones pray And find what is found in no other way It may be old fashioned but it's real still
1: So I'll stay on the old path that brought us this far, that saved countless millions and reached hardened hearts. Although times are changing and forever will, there'll
0: still be one Savior, one Calvary's hill. I still love to hear how God's love paid the cost As passion was fastened by nails to a cross I still love the sound as the saints start to sing Songs of the blood Jesus shed just for me I still love an altar where broken ones pray And find what is found in no other way It may be old fashioned but it's real Still. I still love to hear how God's love paid the cost His passion was fastened by nails to a cross I still love the sound as the saints are to sing Songs of the blood Jesus shed just for me I still love an altar where broken ones pray And find what is found in no other way It may be old-fashioned, but it's real still. It may be old-fashioned, but it's real.
1: Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Yellow, and uh, we, are, we had a little bit of a rough opening there in the opening segment of the show. Uh, hopefully, we got things squared away, and that's because I had to rush in <laughs> getting here to get things done and get set up. So I apologize. Uh, I know you guys expect better, so uh, forgive me for that uh here we are we're going to go into our prayer requests now first and foremost we always pray for the folks that are in need of salvation and um we did have an addition to our list today so we're going to get into this list right now um we're going to be praying for my mom diane my sister laura david in new york city all of the unsaved members of the baldino family jackie Uh, A young man in our church asked us to pray for his mom. So we're praying for Manuel's mom. And uh, we've added Sharon to our uh, prayer list for salvation. Now, salvation, again, folks, is the single most important decision that you're ever going to make in your entire life because it has eternal consequences. You can do nothing, and you'll end up in hell. Or you can look to the Lord Jesus Christ And you can put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the blood that was shed for you on Calvary's cross. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a free gift, absolutely free. There's no work involved in your salvation. Your church membership does not get you saved. Uh, going to church does not get you saved. Uh, Getting baptized doesn't get you saved. It'll get you wet. It might get you a little aggravated, but it doesn't get you saved. Doing good works don't get you saved. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing good works. You should do good things, but it's not going to earn you a place in heaven because the Bible says that to God, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, So there's nothing that you can do to earn a place in heaven. There's nothing you can do to garner enough favor with God that he would allow you into his holy, perfect heaven. The only thing that gets you into heaven is putting your trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're praying for these folks on our prayer list for salvation. Again, Diane, Laura, David, the unsaved members of the Baldino family, Jackie, Manuel's mother, and Sharon. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation you've given us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the blood that was spilled for us and for the world. Father, we pray that you would just touch each one of those on our list for salvation today. Father, we pray that you would just move in their hearts, Lord, that you would just open their eyes to the truth of the Gospel, that there is nothing in and of themselves that they can do to get into heaven. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father God, I pray that you would just open up opportunities for them to get the gospel, whether it's through this show, uh, through uh, someone personally witnessing to them. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would just move in them and draw them into yourself, that they might be saved. And, Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now we're going down into our sick Uh, prayer list, and we are praying for uh, Doug Turner. Uh, Doug Turner's been in the hospital for some time now, so we're we're still praying for him. We're also praying for Pastor Martin. Pastor Martin is my pastor's pastor and and friend, and a friend to me as well. We're praying for him, for his heart condition. We're praying for his blood pressure. We're praying for his eyesight, Uh, and we're praying uh, for him and his overall health condition. Pastor Martin is, uh, is really an inspiration uh, to me. Uh, I talk about him every time we go through the sick list and our prayer list, and uh, because I just want more people to understand uh, the commitment this man at 89 years old has to serving the Lord. Pastor Martin served in, the, in a pastoral ministry for 50 years, and at his age now, with all of his, condi- all of his health conditions, he still goes out and street preaches every single week. He still reads 10 chapters in his Bible every single day. And he does it by reading it through a, uh, uh, one of those really high-powered, desktop-mounted uh, uh, magnifying glasses. That's how bad his eyesight is. But yet he still reads his 10 chapters every day, and some of us struggle with reading a verse, let alone a chapter itself. So, Pastor Martin, um, truly an inspiration to me, at least, and uh, I hope uh, a blessing and an inspiration to you as well. But we're praying for him for his uh, for his health concerns. We're also praying for uh, Young Hez- Hezekiah, who's going for a biopsy. We're praying for Mary Perez, uh, who is battling cancer. Uh, we're praying for my mom. Uh, she she was in the hospital, and now she is in a rehabilitation center. Uh, and uh, so we're praying for her. We're thankful that uh, she was able to be moved to the rehab center, and out of the hospital itself, and uh, we're very thankful for that, and we're praying for her while she's in rehab uh, that she'll be able to get home quickly. We're praying for my sister, Laura, for uh, her slipped disc in her back. We're praying for uh, Bernice, who's a member of our church, uh, who's been battling cancer, and uh, we're also praying for Janae, who has been dealing with a heart condition for some time now. We're praying for Furman, who is... uh, uh, battling cancer and a number of other health concerns, so we want to lift him up to, to uh, the Lord as well. We're praying for Sharon Baldino, uh, who's fighting cancer, Martin Mata, who is uh, fighting lymphoma, uh, Daniel Villarreal, who is uh, battling uh, leukemia and, uh, and recently diagnosed with leukemia, and then we're also praying for Mario Martinez, who is in the hospital with a heart condition as well. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you do hear our prayers, and Lord, we just ask you to touch each and every person on our sick list today. Lord, we just pray that uh, you would just be a blessing to them. Lord, we pray that you would give them strength to uh, to heal and to recover, and Lord, we pray that you would touch their bodies and bring them comfort, peace, peace. Lord, that you would give them that measure of grace that they need as they uh, endure these these health problems that they're all dealing with. And, Father God, we just lift them all up to you and ask you to pour out your special blessings upon them, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Moving on down our, uh, our prayer list, we have uh, praying for uh, my brother-in-law, Jude. Actually, Jude should be on the sick list because my sister told me that... Uh, <clears throat> that while he's uh, overseas visiting his family, he's uh, he's gotten I guess was food poisoning, and uh, so he's been laid up uh, for a little bit. And so we're gonna, we should pray for him for his sick list as well. Uh, we're also praying for his business as a contractor here in New York City, and uh, we're praying for um, uh, for travel mercies. Now, if you are uh, in the New York area and you're looking for someone to do uh, some some contracting work for you. Uh, you could reach out to me, and I'll put you in contact with my brother-in-law. He does really good work, and I'm not just saying that because he's my brother-in-law, because he really does do good work. Uh, you could reach out to me, and I'll pass on your information to him, and I'm sure he'll reach out to you when he gets back from his trip. We're also praying for, uh, for our Brother Federico Salinas, a good friend of mine, and uh, we're lifting him up to you. We're praying for Angel, uh, who is going through her first pregnancy. We're praying for her husband Alex and his job. Uh, Isabella, for her walk with the Lord. Jessica, for her walk with the Lord. Alex Herrera, for his walk with the Lord, for, for a hedge of protection to be about him, uh, for travel mercies as he's uh, traveling uh, from picking up his vehicle, and uh, for his overall health. Uh, we're also praying for Furman, that's his dad, and his his dad is in the hospital uh, battling cancer. We pray for him on our sick list. Um, and Alex has asked for prayer for his dad that... Uh, the Lord would not let him suffer, and that he'd be allowed to survive up until the rapture. And we're also praying for uh, Sister Melina's appointment, which is coming up in San Antonio. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, again for answering prayer. Lord, we we lift up each one on our general prayer list to you today, and we ask you, Father God, that you would just uh, bring all the conditions together that each one would uh, meet their particular need, Lord, I pray that you'd be with each one of them as they go about their business, whether it's for appointments or, or, um, uh, uh, or their pregnancy or, or their traveling. Father God, we just pray that you would, you would particularly bless each and every one of them according to their need, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we have the unspoken prayers of our hearts. Uh, those, those on these on this prayer list. Uh, They have needs that um, perhaps they can't put the right words to or perhaps they're very personal and and the details don't need to be known by everyone, just the Lord. Uh, So uh, they are on our our unspoken prayer list. So We're praying for Eduardo Rodriguez. We're praying for uh, Brother Hector. We're praying for Mike Elizalde. We're praying for Manuel. We're praying for Larissa and, of course, myself uh, for my unspoken prayer needs. Heavenly Father, we just ask You just to examine our hearts in our unspoken prayer requests, Lord, and if, if, uh, if our needs are according to Your perfect will for us and for our lives, Father God, I just pray that You would answer those prayers, and Lord, I pray that You would get all the honor and all the glory, and Lord, we will thank You, and we will bless You for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, now if you have any prayer requests whatsoever, you can uh, email me directly at info at sort of the spirit or you can go to our website, sword of the spirit com and uh, send us a message through that web form. And if you are in our chat room, you could also post your prayer request or your prayer need in the chat room and we will make sure that we add it to our prayer list. All right, so uh, we don't have any uh, missionaries to talk about today, no questions from the listeners, we have no birthdays to announce. So what we're going to do is we are going to take a short break here, our second break of the evening, and that will give you a chance to go get your King James Bible, if you don't have it already, grab yourself a cup of coffee, maybe a a refill, maybe a bottle of water, and when we come back, we'll be getting into today's Bible study on Revelation chapter 4, and we'll be back right after this. Don't forget, like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. Hit that five-star review. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. We'll be right back.
0: Sing
1: amen amen and amen welcome back to the sword of the spirit podcast this is joe rusiello and uh you know that when we hear that that means it's time to open up our bibles and uh get ready to study the precious word of god now um we're going to be getting into um the rest of revelation chapter four in just a minute and uh we last week We studied just one verse in Revelation 4, and we took, like I said earlier, um, just about two hours to get through that one verse, because it was so full of information, so packed with, oh, there was just so much to unpack in that verse, and you know something? We barely even scratched the surface of it, but I figured two hours was was good enough, and uh, we're going to get ready to get into the rest of Revelation chapter 4. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the opportunity to open up and study your book. Father, we ask you to bless the reading, the preaching, and the teaching of your Holy Word. Lord, we ask you to open up our hearts and open up our minds to the truth that is contained therein. Father, we ask you and we beg you, Lord, through the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to open up our minds and our thinking, help us to understand the wonderful truths that are here. And uh, Lord, if there's any listening tonight, that's under the sound of my voice, that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that somewhere, somehow, and some way through this message tonight, through this Bible study tonight, that you would save them, that you would draw them to yourself, and they might come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will thank you for it, and we will bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, episode number 77. Revelation chapter 4. Now, in verse 1 of chapter 4, we notice a door opens. Then there's a trumpet. There's a voice. There's something going up. And of course, you know, we recognize that to be the rapture of the church, and that's what we talked about last week. That's the bride of Christ, the church, going up. Now, of course, you know, like we talked about, there's more than one rapture in your Bible, and that's why you know, people get them confused just like there's more than one baptism in the Bible. That's why people get them confused, amen? There's the baptism of Moses. There's the baptism of John. There's the baptism of the kingdom. There's the baptism of the cross. There's the baptism of the Spirit. There's a Gentile water baptism. So you see, folks get all those things confused, and then they try to mix them all together, and that's the same thing that happens with raptures. You see folks, you got to rightly divide the word of truth. When you rightly divide this book, this book becomes more meaningful than ever to you and it takes on a whole completely new dimension. Because you don't have to sit there, you don't have to wonder about all the alleged contradictions because everything fits into place. Amen. All right, let's get into verse 2. Revelation chapter 4 verse 2 and immediately I was in the Spirit. All right, so John here is in a situation where he's almost like the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You remember that? Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Now, I don't know that it's an identical situation, but uh, it's similar in the sense that this is almost a visionary um, kind of thing that he's receiving. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardin stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. All right? Now, the person on the throne is most likely God the Father. Since the Spirit is represented by the lamps before the throne, down here in verse 5, which we're going to come to momentarily, uh, the Son comes to the throne in verse 6. So under the influence of the Holy Spirit, John uses precious gems to describe the glory of the Father. And that's what we're seeing here in these verses. We're seeing these gemstones. Now, jasper is a clear stone. So it's a clear stone, and that speaks evidently of God's purity. I say evidently, and we have more than just a notion of this, because these same stones appear on the breastplate of the high priest back in Exodus chapter 28. And then remember, the Old Testament priest, you know, uh, he had a particular breastplate that he had to wear, and he had these precious gemstones on it, and every one of them suggested a different aspect of the character of God. Now, there's always been a fascination of man with gemstones. You know, the world says that uh, a girl's best friend is a diamond. You know, that isn't true, but, you know, they say that. And you know how it is. But there you know, but there's a certain fascination with all that stuff. And people get all like twinkle dusted with diamonds and emeralds and rubies and all that stuff. But I'm I'm not fascinated with it, but I think they're interesting to look at, without a doubt. You know, I've done just a little bit of rock hounding in my life, you know, just enough to make it interesting. You know, over in Pennsylvania, when I lived uh, back east, uh, a few, uh, several years ago, a pastor friend of mine were, were given access to a rock quarry, and, and we drove out there, and we spent all day just digging up rocks, looking for crystals and gemstones, but um, we went out there with these, these wood-framed screens, and we would just, you know, we would shovel some dirt and shake it out and sort through the rocks and, and look for them. Now it's really, it's an interesting little hobby. You know, and we found a bunch. I'm not going to say we didn't. I don't recall exactly what they were because I, you know, I was interested, but it wasn't like a fascination for me. Uh, I have pictures somewhere of what we found. And uh, I, I honestly took home way more than what I, what I knew what to do with. But I think I ended up lining my backyard, you know, with, with those things. But uh, it was really a fascinating thing, you know, and mankind has always had this fascination. With gemstones, and that's why they're deemed valuable. They've always been valuable, always. No other than, um, you know, other than the industrial capabilities of a diamond. Honestly, what's so great about a diamond? Yeah, they're kind of rare. Yes, they sparkle. Yes, they're expensive. There's always been that kind of fascination. Now, I submit to you tonight that the real reason is and man doesn't really understand it because unless he has access to a bible and he believes it you know the real reason is is that god put a value on them that's why and god has put a value on them in the sense that they suggest something spiritual in reference to god's character so this jasper is a clear stone now sardin is red speaking of god's wrath and judgment Emerald is green, and uh, that's a color that's associated with grace and mercy. So those are the three that are listed here: a clear, a red, and a green. And then, there, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight, like unto an emerald. Now that takes you all the way back, of course, to the first time a rainbow is mentioned in scripture. And do you remember where that is? Back in Genesis chapter nine. So you remember that uh you know we have a lot of rainbows around uh you know when it, when it rains over here and you know i've seen three or four in the last couple of weeks you know and i kind of like that you know it, it's um it, it's it, it's always to me a reminder of god's grace as of course the scripture mentions to us now interestingly, when you see a rainbow, do you realize that you're not seeing the whole thing you only see half of the bow. And I want you to notice this thing here. There was a rainbow round about the throne. So that thing goes all the way around. Now that's going to be something to see. Amen? That's a description of the throne of God the Father. And so you know you can't see the whole bow right now. What you see is, if you please, through a glass, darkly. But when we get to heaven, you'll see face to face. You'll see the whole pattern. Isn't that interesting? immediately after the rapture, the first thing you see is the whole picture. That's what God God is telling us here. Now, comparing Scripture with Scripture, we learn that heaven is northward, above an enormous frozen sea, which which hides far and above the imaginations of mankind. Now, it's going to be important for us to know that by the time we get to verse 6. Actually, as a matter of fact, how about we look at verse 6 right now? Uh, Revelation chapter 4 verse 6 And before the throne there was a sea of glass Now was it glass? No, it wasn't glass. Why? Because if you continue on like unto crystal. Now anytime you find those words like unto into the in, in the book of Revelation, you'll find that many times you'll see that God, what that what God is suggesting is a similarity. If God means it literally, he'll say it literally. If it's symbolic kind of language, he'll use that kind of thing to tell you. Like unto, fashioned like. So in other words, the closest thing we can imagine it in our mind's eyes so that we can get it is a sea of glass like unto crystal. Now there's a lot of reasons for that. And what this thing is, is just a big, huge, frozen, giant sea out there. It's pure water, so it's not like the ice cubes you get in your refrigerator. It has a far greater clarity than that because of the purity of it. Now, to get this thing kind of nailed down, we're going to run some verses out. So grab your Bible and head over to the book of Job, chapter 26. Job, chapter 26. And this is another one of those things that um, when I had first gotten saved, this kind of stuff wasn't taught in the church that I went to. I didn't learn this until I went to a real Bible-believing church. So this might be something that maybe you haven't heard before. This might be one of those things like we talked about a few weeks ago about the doctrine of Jezebel. And the, uh, the, the comments that I received on that was not very many people knew of the doctrine of Jezebel. So this might be something like that for you. And, and if it is, hey, it's a blessing. Open up your eyes, open up your ears, open up your mind, and learn. This is all from the Word of God. This isn't speculation. This is not my opinion. This is all from the Word of God. Job chapter twenty six. Job chapter twenty six. Let's look at verse verse five. Dead things are formed under the waters, and the inhabitants thereof. Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no covering. He stretcheth out the north. Over the empty place, and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne, and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds, until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divideth the sea with his power, and by his understanding. He smiteth through the proud. By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Man, there's a lot of stuff in those verses right there. Maybe you should put a marker there or something, and uh, let's go back over to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. You see, that's the problem. You can't study the Bible... You can't study any particular book of your Bible without studying the whole Bible. You know, people say, let's study Revelation. All right, well, that means studying Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and every other book. You have to study every other book. All right, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God Moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. All right, now I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you a couple of things here, actually. Uh, In the beginning, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven And the earth. All right. Now that's fine. He created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. All right. So something happened here. For we know that the original creation was perfect, but something happened to throw that whole thing into chaos. And that thing, without really going into a lot of detail, because it just won't serve a purpose for our particular study tonight. Uh, that thing was the fall of Satan. And that's recorded over in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28, the fall of Lucifer, the rebellion of Lucifer and his angels. Now, before we get done with Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, we're going to see... uh, and, and, And here's the situation. In Revelation 4, we read about the throne of God and four beasts. These beasts keep popping up in your Bible. They pop up in Ezekiel chapter 1, they pop up in Ezekiel chapter 10... Uh, there's something similar to them in Isaiah chapter 6. You know, they keep popping up and they're called beasts. And one has the face of a man, one has the face of an ox, one has the face of a lion, one has the face of an eagle. Now, but if you study the thing carefully, you'll see that there's another cherub. And by the way, these are called cherubs as well as beasts. And there was another cherub, and he's said to be the one that covereth. So in other words, at one time, there was a fifth one. Now, I I, I probably shouldn't go down this road because I, I can't get too sidetracked on this, or I'll, I'll just get way out there and, and and we'll lose track of what we need to study tonight. But um, this fifth cherub is Lucifer. Now, Lucifer comes from a compound word, lux, pharaoh, light bearer. That's literally what it means, the light-bearer, the bearer of light. Now, he was the anointed cherub that covereth, bearing light. And interestingly, Paul still calls him an angel of light, doesn't he? An angel of light. All right, now, due to his rebellion, it would appear... um, by analyzing passages in Ezekiel and Jeremiah that this light bearer occupied an entire planet. And you see, we tend to minimize the geographical presence of God. we think, of a, we think about him uh, like kind of like our size. you know we don't stop and think in terms of like, I mean really big, really big. Well, when you really contemplate God, how big is God? Well, of course, he's omnipresent, so that means he's everywhere, right? And, uh, well, at any rate, rebellion. Lucifer inhabiting the earth. Because of his rebellion, he's cast down. And now the earth becomes, according to the Scripture, God's footstool. Now that rebellion is described, or or the results of that rebellion is described in Genesis chapter 1. God threw the earth in the midst of a giant sea out in the solar system. I want you to notice what it says in verse 7. Genesis chapter 1, verse 7. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And then back in verse 6, And let it divide the waters from the waters. So in other words, the whole thing was one giant mess. Now, interestingly, Job calls Satan Leviathan, doesn't he? They call the Loch Ness Monster a Leviathan, don't they? Now, God divides the waters from the waters. So, now he puts the waters at the top of the universe and waters at the bottom of the universe. And in the midst thereof, he calls that the firmament, which is the heavens. All right, Now, where's God's throne? Well, it's still above the waters at the top of the universe. So you've got water at the top of the universe and you've got water at the bottom of the universe. That's what you've got. So you have God dividing the waters from the waters. Now you have the earth floating around in space instead of water. So it's no longer bobbing up and down like a cork, but it's without form and void. Now, it's interesting to notice, and I want you to see something here, all right? Verse 4, Genesis 1, and God saw the light that it was good. Verse 5, and the evening and the morning were the first day. All right, verse 12, end of the verse, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And then you go down through, and every day of creation, it says, God saw it was good. He says that about every day, except one, except one. He never says that about the second day. He never says that it was good. Now, you know, when you read your Bible, you've got to pay attention to what's not there as well as what is there. Now, why do you suppose God never said that the second day was good? Because when God divided the waters from the waters, he left something in there that wasn't good. The prince of the power of the air. Got it? That's his domain. You're living in his domain. Your home is in here. Your home is in heaven, above the waters. You see? So really, you're in hostile territory. As a child of God, you're, and and you have an arch enemy who walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour He's called your adversary. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's your enemy. You're in his territory. You know, you're behind the lines. You're behind the enemy lines. And you're never going to really feel absolutely secure and safe until you get back behind your own lines. That's what the rapture is all about. All right? Now, what did God do when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt? And Egypt is a picture of what in your Bible? The world, right? But what what did they do when they left the world? Well, they crossed a sea, the Red Sea. Amen? So when you leave the world, when you're raptured, you're going to go up through a sea. It's a frozen one. All right, let's go back to Job 26. Let's go back to Job 26 for a minute. Job 26, and I want you to notice verse 7. He stretcheth the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. So the empty place is the firmament. That's space. God is north. You know, every compass in the world points north. God's north. The north star is the star that for generations and generations, mariners, before they even knew about compasses and all that other navigational equipment uh, you know before they could you know get a fix on it because the north Star's current position is constant the North star is constant in its position it's a fixed position so he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing and then verse 13 by his spirit he hath garnished the heavens and then notice his hand hath formed the crooked serpent. But well, where's the crooked serpent? Well, on occasion, the crooked serpent, to this very day, has limited access to the throne of God. And he goes up through, Job says, the sea and maketh it to boil like a cauldron. So when the old devil goes up through there, that thing bubbles and boils, and he goes up and he stands before the throne of God, you know, that crooked serpent. And what does he do? He accuses you. Just yesterday, he was up there accusing one of you. Probably. That's a mess, isn't it? Remember what you were thinking about yesterday? All right. So that's the situation. Let's go to Job 37. Job 37. Job 37 and verse 9. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind, and cold out of the north. Cold comes out of the north. We all know that. By the breath of God, frost is given. Now, isn't that interesting? Uh-huh. So when you get up in the morning and there's frost on the ground, you should say, thank you, Lord, for breathing. Amen? Look down here in verse 18. Hast thou with him spread out the sky, which is strong and... And as a molten looking glass? All right. Now, do you know what that frozen sea at the top of the universe is? It's a giant mirror. That's what a molten looking glass is. It's a mirror. You can't see through that thing with the most powerful telescope. If you could see to the outer limit of the universe, which they can't, but if they could, all they'd see is a big mirror. It would just bounce back. That's all that thing is. Interestingly, a sea of glass, like unto crystal, a frozen sea would look like a mirror, wouldn't it? That's what the thing would look like. All right, let's 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 look at verse 22. Job 37, verse 22. Fair weather cometh out of the north with God is terrible majesty. Now notice how he keeps getting tied up with north. All right, Job 38 and verse 30. The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Now, where is this deep? Notice the context, the next verse. Canst thou bind the sweet influence of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? What are the Pleiades and Orion? They're constellations up in the sky. Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in a season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? You know, some of you probably didn't even know that the Bible talked about those constellations. And there they are, right there. You know, the Bible's a pretty up-to-date book. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? All right, so the face of the deep is frozen. Do you remember when Noah... When, when Noah's flood took place, what did God do? He opened up the what? The fountains of the deep. The fountains of the deep, right? Now folks ask, you know, well, where did all that rain come from? From the deep. That's where it came from. There's a whole bunch of it up there. There's so much of it up there, it'll, it'll make the Pacific Ocean look like about three drops. I mean, there is a lot of it up there. I mean, it'll blow your mind. Now, there are two things you need to do before you get raptured. You need to learn how to swim and you need to learn how to ride a horse. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You have to have a little bit of fun with this, don't you? You do. Look over in Psalm 148. Psalm 148, while I take a sip. Psalm 148 and uh, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights. All right, verse 4. Praise Him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Now, when you're a Bible, there's three heavens. The Bible talks about three heavens. Not seven heavens like the Catholics teach, or the Muslims teach. It's three heavens. Paul ascended into the third heaven in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. All right? So now you have three heavens. The first heaven is the atmosphere of the earth. That's the one that the birds fly around in. That's the first heaven. Heaven number two is space. That's where Orion and the Pleiades and Maseroth and Arcturus are. You know, the Milky Way, the Big Dipper, the solar system, you know, and all that. That's, that's out there in heaven number two. Now, heaven number two has a frozen lid on it from what we've seen so far in the Scripture. Now, you'll understand in a minute why it's frozen. And heaven number three, where the throne of God is, is on top of that. The Bible addresses all of them. Now, in Psalm 148, and verse 5, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. Verse 6 And he hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. All right, so there's some dragons and things living out there somewhere. Interesting. Interesting. Psalm 48, and verse 2. Psalm 48, verse 2. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion and the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Sides of the north now. All right, Psalm 75. Psalm 75, and verse 6. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Well, then you're left to your own conclusion. If it doesn't come from the east or the west or the south, where does it come from? It comes from the north. Amen. And north is synonymous with God. They say, which direction is God? That's easy. Right straight over the North Star. Fixed position. Absolute. Straight on, man. You know, well, years ago I was trying to get this thing nailed down in my mind, and I was studying this a little bit. And uh, I was watching a documentary on the Discovery Channel, or I think it was a science channel. I forget which one. Um, They had this guy on, and he was saying that if you took the most powerful telescope and looked beyond the North Star, as far as you could look, you'd see a thing that's called the Bay Nebula. And he said in this documentary, he goes, we really don't know what it is. We, We can't really tell. Uh, but if you, you look up there and you, you see all these stars and all these galaxies and constellations and millions and billions of stars out there, and he said it, it looks like someone took a giant hand and just ripped a big hole in the universe. And he said on the far side of that, the best that we can tell, there's a light so bright it would make our sun look like a fly speck. Man, I got excited about that. Now, I don't know if that's a light penetrating through or if it's a mirror. I I don't know what you're seeing, but you're seeing something that they can explain. Amen? Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. "'For thus saith the High and Lofty One that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit.' to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I dwell in the high and holy place. All right, go to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Now, you're probably familiar with Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 is the record of the fall of Lucifer. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Do you see that thing right there? So that's that's Satan's desire. That's his desire. Now we've learned several things. We've learned that God is north. We've learned that there's a a, a giant frozen sea up there, and we've learned that that thing is frozen. The Bible says so, and there's good reason for why it's frozen. And we'll take a look at that when we come back from this break. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. Smash that five-star review if you can, and we'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
0: So many souls have tested him throughout the course of time. So many still reach out to him with broken hearts and minds. And every one of them will say without exception that they find that Jesus never fails. Days of old, he brought his people through, and then he came to show his love and died for me and you. And he rose again to prove that every story had been true, that Jesus. never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan, you cannot prevail, because Jesus never Sometimes this world brings trouble I find so hard to bear I know I could not make it Without Jesus being there It's so encouraging to know However deeper in despair That Jesus never fails What can I do to prove to you? Tell me, how can you deny? No one told facts, no mysteries, it's all so cut and dry. And on the witness stand of your life, I'll be the first to testify that Jesus never Saints, and you cannot prevail because Jesus never fails. saints and you cannot prevail because Jesus
2: The wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. said unto you, That ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely.
1: Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and we are continuing our study in Revelation chapter 4. And uh, so far, we've learned uh, several different things. We've learned that, uh, again, God is north. We've learned that there's a giant frozen sea up there. We've also learned that that thing is frozen, and that there's a good reason for it. And we're going to examine that reason for it in just a minute. So... Folks, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. Uh, Helping us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is so important and critical today of of any other time in history, because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Uh, Head over to our uh, chat room over on Spreaker. If you have an account at Spreaker, you could uh, jump into the chat room and join in the conversation there. Also, uh, don't forget to head over to our website, SwordOfTheSpiritPodcast Check out our Sword Swag section. Get yourself a Sword of the Spirit Podcast coffee mug or t shirt, or both. Why not? It's a good gift. And uh, we are going to head over to Revelation chapter seven. Revelation chapter seven, and we are going to find out why that sea is frozen, and the good reason for it. Now, when we're in Revelation seven. We're in heaven. And you'll see that when we get there. But Revelation 7 is a chapter about heaven. And in verse 16, the Bible says, they shall hunger no more. So this is actually talking about uh, tribulation martyrs that have gone to heaven. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. No heat in heaven. So if there's no heat in heaven... That's why the thing is frozen. all right now what's no heat? Well they call that absolute zero and they used to say that it was um, what was it it was minus two seven two it was minus two seventy three point five degrees was absolute zero but now they you know they've changed their mind now they say it's around minus 460 degrees. So, you know, they keep changing their minds. So, I I don't really know for sure, but I know this. When God says, nor any heat, he means no heat, not one tiny shred of heat. No heat at all in heaven. But you know what? Don't let it bug you. You're going to have a spiritual body, so you won't need it. And I know you can't even imagine that. I mean, you can't even fathom that idea right now, but you don't need any heat, not in heaven. Now, why do you suppose God doesn't want any heat in heaven? Well, very simple. When you have heat, what do you have? You have molecular activity, right? Absolute zero, wherever it is, they can only theorize at this point, but wherever absolute zero is, that's where all molecular activity ceases. All right, let me illustrate it in a way that we can all relate to. And I suppose you've been around. You've been exposed to some things, you know. But um, in my house, I have a gas furnace that, that heats the house, all right? And what I'll do, I'll get up in the morning, and if it's a chilly night. You know, I'll turn the heat up to take that morning chill out of the house. And then when you, when you fire that thing up, you hear that of of the, the sound of the flames kicking in, right? And then after a couple of seconds of that fire going, you start hearing that furnace making all kinds of noise. Did you ever notice that? You know, I mean, how does solid metal make noise? I, I I've thought about trying to imitate it, but I can't even try to imitate it. But, you know, it makes these popping noises, these banging noises. And, you know, uh, I mean, what's going on? Well, the metal is expanding from the heat. Well, more precisely, the molecules are, are racing around faster because of the heat. Then when I lower the thermostat, it makes another kind of noise. And you can hear the molecules. Did you ever hear the molecules? Sure you have. The faster the molecule, the more friction you have. The more friction you have, the faster the thing wears out, right? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that. Amen? All right, so that's why your car engines run out. Friction. And they give heat. And that's that's why everybody's oil product, you know, you know we have this additive and that additive and, and another additive and, you know... We put it in and it keeps your engine cool. You know, all that stupid stuff. You know, they're trying to cut down as much of of that friction as possible. Friction causes deterioration. Listen, folks, God's got the thing scientifically figured out. Not that he has to, but he does. So in heaven, there's no molecular movement. It's all like frozen animation. He captured a truth. Now, Well, how can the river of life, how can a river run if it's absolute zero, right? Isn't that great? Only God can make a river run in absolute zero. And he's got it. I mean, and I don't even know how he's got it figured out. But you know something? I know he does. And why is it critical that there's no molecular movement in heaven? Because it's eternal. And there's no time. You see? You don't get old. You just go on and on and on and on. Isn't that great? You know, your house will not wear out in heaven. You know, I'm renovating a house and, you know, all those little molecules are just buzzing around that house. You know, they're buzzing around those two by fours. They're buzzing around in the sheetrock. They're buzzing around in the flooring, you know, and left to its own devices, it's going to fall down and rot. Just give it enough time. Amen. But in heaven, in heaven, The thing just goes on and on and on and on. It's eternal, and God's got the thing figured out scientifically. It's wild, man. It's wild. All right, this book is a wild book. Let's go back to Revelation chapter four. Revelation chapter four. And and by the way, that verse in seven sixteen says, "Neither shall shall the sun light on them, nor any heat." You don't need sunlight because Jesus Christ is the light. You'll have perfect light in heaven, perfect, flawless light. And by the way, you know they, they keep discovering more things about light. You know they've said that uh, the glue that holds the universe together is light. That's what the scientific community is saying, not just a bunch of weird Baptist preachers. That's what the scientists are saying. The glue that holds the whole universe together is light. Well, you know something? My Bible says, by him all things consist. He's the one that holds all things together. The Bible says, God is light. Folks, stick with your Bible. Let science and education catch up later. All right, now verse 4 of chapter 4, verse 4 of Revelation chapter 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now that's quite a description we have of the throne of God, don't we? All right, so the twenty-four elders... So we have this throne of God and, and this thing. You know, round about the throne of God were 24 seats and uh, these 24 elders sitting there. 24 elders. Well, who are they? Who are the 24 elders? 24 elders. Well, the best shot is that they could be associated with the church age saints because, first of all, there's the association with crowns. Or rewards, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Well, that's what the church age saint is laboring for laboring for crowns. There are five crowns that the church age saint can win. Now, see, I want you to see if you could find the five crowns. Look them up in your Bible. All right, they're not hard to find. They're not hard to find. You're laboring for those crowns, and these folks are wearing crowns. All right, that's not all. White raiment can be associated with the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now take your Bible and go over to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Notice these 24 elders are wearing white raiment. Now it's also interesting to notice the chronological order of the thing. In chapter 4, verse 1, you have a rapture. In verse 2 and 3, you have the throne of God. In verse 4, you have what seemed to be a representation of church-age saints sitting around the throne. So the thing falls in perfect place, doesn't it? All right, chapter 19. Chapter 19, look at verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. That's the church, the wife of the Lamb. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. All right, now, there's two kinds of righteousness available to the child of God. Number one is what you get when you become a child of God, and that's the righteousness of Christ. You acquire the robe of righteousness when you get saved. You didn't do anything to earn that. You, you just got it. But um, there's another kind of robe. There's another one, and that's a robe of fine linen. And that, and that's the righteousness of saints. So that's part of your reward. That's part of what you're working for. So in other words, you're making your own wardrobe now. You're building your own wardrobe right now. Now, now fine linen has an interesting little history to it. Now, notice the Bible says that this robe that these 24 elders, representative of church-age saints, are wearing is fine linen. And then the thing comes back again in Revelation 19. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Now, linen comes from a weedy kind of substance called flax. And how they get linen out of flax is they beat it, and they beat it, and they beat it. So in other words, the flax suffers. Now, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Isn't that what it says? And th- and so the flax suffers. And through the suffering materializes fine linen. Do you know what fine linen is? It's valuable. I mean, real quality, you know, fine linen tablecloth. doesn't come cheap, does it? It's valuable. Well, why? Because a price had to be paid to produce it. So do you see the parallel there? It's a fantastic parallel. All right, let's go back to Revelation chapter 4. So we see these 24 elders clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, because of those two characteristics, they undoubtedly, most probably represent uh, church-age saints. Now, we're not going to take the time to run these out, but I'm going to give you some cross-references for you to run out on your own and to check out these 24 elders. Uh, Check out Psalm 107, verse 32. Check out 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 1. Exodus, chapter 3, verse 18. And Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse 2. All right, that's Psalm 107, verse 32. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. Exodus 3 and verse 18, and Hebrews 11, verse 2. All right, now, verse 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So the Holy Spirit doesn't leave anything to our imagination about the seven lamps of fire burning, right? He tells us what they are. They're the seven spirits of God. But what are the seven spirits of God? Well, that's what we have to find out. All right, so let's go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. You know, people say, why should I read my Bible all the way through? Well, I'm going to give you a classic example of that. All right, you can count on this kind of stuff. You know, as as you're reading along, you know, and say, okay, so the seven spirits of God. Well, I wonder what those are. Well, I don't know. So, you know, you read your Bible through from Genesis to Revelation one time, and, you know, a lot of it's just going to be a haze. When you get done, you're going to look back, you're going to say, whew, you know, hazy. You're going to read it through twice, and it's still going to be pretty hazy. You're going to read it through three times, and you're going to say, you know, it's still pretty foggy. You read it four times, and then one day the preacher's going to stand up, and he'll preach a message, and he might not belabor a point, but he'll throw something out there real quick, and, and all of a sudden you say, oh, I remember reading something like that, and that's over here. And then, you know, you read it five times, and, and that'll happen a little more often. You read it through six and seven, eight, nine, ten times, and after a while you say, oh, okay, I see. Well, that matches up with Zechariah, and that matches up with John chapter 10. But you just got to keep reading and keep reading, and keep reading. And then you're going to start to see all these connections. And that's how that thing works. All right, Isaiah chapter 11. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Well, that's Jesus Christ, of course. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Well, what is the Spirit of the Lord? Well, here we are. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and and of the fear of the Lord, next verse, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. That's the seven spirits of God, right there. All right, back to Revelation. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6. And before the throne was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. All right, now, so the sea of glass, like unto crystal, and we've fairly well tried to describe that to you, I think. It's called the great deep. It's called frozen. It's called over the north. And we've seen several references and different things that that it's called. Now, it's before the throne of God. Now, there's a description of the beasts, Verse 7. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had, had a face of, as of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts each, each, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night saying, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now, notice they're three-dimensional in their praise. We covered that a couple of weeks ago. Past, present, future. Now, with that in mind, let's go over to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, and let's see how Isaiah matches up with what we just read. Isaiah chapter 6, in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. All right, now it's starting to match up a little bit, right? The ones we just read about had six wings. Now, these have six wings. And they're called seraphims. Don't call them angels. God didn't call them angels. They might be angelic types of creatures, but they're not angels. You see, that's that's what the world has done, right? In religion too, they've confused it. You know, they always put wings on an angel. Well, folks, in your Bible, an angel has no wings. In your Bible, an angel always appears as a man, always without exception. An angel always appears as a man. An angel has no wings. You know those cute little Valentine cherubs? The devil made those up. Forget about them. They're not in the Bible. There's, there's a cherubim that have two wings, and there's a seraphim that has six wings. All right? Now, they're not just the standard angel. They could be angelic type of creatures. You could say that. But they're not like Gabriel or Michael. You know, Gabriel or Michael always appeared as men, didn't they? So you've got to remember that, because the devil will use that to confuse folks about a lot of things. All right? Notice verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy 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 well that's what we just read is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and the posts of the doors moved the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke so when isaiah saw this i mean it short-circuited him it totally blew him away right verse 5 then said i Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then, one, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off the altar. That's an important verse to remember. There's an altar in heaven at this point. Interesting. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo... This hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And and so on and so forth. All right, let's go back to Revelation chapter 4, and uh, we see that these four beasts match up with what we just read in Isaiah chapter 6. They also match up with some literal beasts found in Ezekiel chapter 1 and in Ezekiel chapter 10. Now, there, there's, there's no reason for not believing that these are supernatural beasts when we remember, and I want you to think about it now. Think of all the things that you've seen in literature and books and paintings. There's no reason for not believing this because all the replicas and remnants of these supernatural beasts are found in the Assyrian, Babylonian, Egyptian, Hittite monuments and statues. You know, all of these strange beasts, you know, Greek and Chinese mythology all have their centaurs and satyrs and, and and even ogres. You know, they have them all, don't they? Well, where do they come from? Where does the idea of those things come from? You know, folks, there's always a basis of truth for a lie. It's always there. And when God says beasts, he doesn't always mean it's, you know, as, as some people would assume, a terrorizing beast. He simply means it's a creature. As far as your Bible is concerned, anything that isn't human or anything that isn't part of the Godhead is considered a beast. You know, we call animals beasts. You know, we call dogs beasts. You know, you don't have to be a ravening lion to be a beast. You know, you call a horse a beast. Uh, An ox is called a beast of burden, isn't it? Now, interestingly, these beasts have different kinds of faces. You have uh, a calf, a lion, a man, and an eagle. All right, verse 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down, before Him that sat on the throne, and worship Him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. All right, so they're just, you know, well, you know what they're doing? They're throwing their crowns at the feet of the Lord. They're just having, like, um, a, a great big you know, blowout. That's what they're doing. They're, they're just having a fit sometime after the rapture. You know, The world tries to, to simulate that idea too, don't they? They put their gods, small g, on a stage and they, they throw money or, or whatever at it. 24 elders, representative of church-age saints, take their crowns off that were given to them by the Lord and just throw them at the Lord's feet. Isn't that great? And worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. All right, folks, that'll do it for Revelation chapter 4. Praise the Lord. We made it through the whole chapter in less than two hours. What a blessing that is for all of us. Amen. Amen. Especially since we got a late start today. But folks, uh, great chapter, important chapter. We learned so much from the Word of God tonight, and I pray again that it's been a blessing to you. And uh, folks, again, just want to say thank you so much for spending your time with us tonight. God bless you for that. Don't forget to head over to Podcast.com. Look for that contact section. Fill out that contact form or email me directly, info at Podcast.com. Look for that support this podcast button. And if you can, a monthly recurring contribution or maybe a one-time contribution. Well, until we meet again on Sunday, win the loss, no matter the cost. God bless you. Take care.